Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Master the Mouse. Hit it, maestro. Welcome to episode 12 of Master the Mouse. I'm Aaron. With me, as always, Griffin. Griffin, how are you? Aaron, I'm back. I'm here to give people what they want. Mediocre Disney World advice. How are you? <laughs> Mediocre? Come on, we're better than that, right? Yeah, hey, I just got to downplay it and then we'll over-deliver, hopefully. We have to ask our significant others because if it were up to them, it probably would be mediocre, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. I would assume that they actually listen to anything we say in life in general. <laughs> or about Disney for that matter. It doesn't matter, does it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that happens to me all the time. Yeah, they, they, they don't listen to us, but we, we give our advice when we can. And we love them. We love them anyway. That's right. That's right. You doing all right? I'm. I'm doing well. I'm ready for this question of the episode, though. So I'm. I'm anxious to see what you got for me this episode. Okay. All right. Let's do question of the day. I think most returning listeners will know how we do this. So you just went to Disney World. So I feel like you. Anything is on the table. But uh, I'm going to go back to rides. And for the listeners, we're going to have you tell us if this ride is overrated, underrated, or properly rated in the uh, Disney World universe. And I want you to tell me about Buzz Lightyear Ranger Spin over at Magic Kingdom. Overrated, underrated, properly rated. Man, that's a tough one for me. I, I think I may have mentioned this before on one of our episodes. If not, then I'm about to mention it. But do you know what was in that location before Buzz got there? I probably should, but I don't. It was it was a ride called Dream Flight, and it was sponsored by Delta. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it was my most favorite ride of all time. Really? Okay. I've heard of it, but I think I was I was late to the party on that. I don't know that I ever wrote it. If I did, it was when I was little. And when Buzz came, I was super angry at Disney for getting rid of my favorite ride of all time. So Buzz came, and I had this like sour taste in my mouth because of the Buzz ride. And then I wrote it, yeah. and I loved it, but I was still sad because Dreamflight wasn't there. So this one's hard okay. for me. I think in the yeah. beginning, when it when Buzz first started, it was underrated. Like the ride was awesome. As it's gone on, it's gotten kind of stale, especially yeah. with Toy Story Land coming in Hollywood Studios and it opening up and how cool like the Toy Story Midway Mania ride is and how interactive and 3D it is. Buzz seems a little flat now. But uh -huh. that, that's not to say that I don't enjoy it and I don't get competitive. Every time you come around that corner and, and they take your picture, like I'm always hunched down right over the gun trying to, you know, shoot as many Zs as I can. You know, I'm going to I'm going to go with properly rated. I like it. I enjoy it. I don't the lines for that attraction now aren't too terribly long. And I don't you know, you, yeah. you're not going to wait an obscene amount to ride that ride. So I think it's probably properly rated. I, I would say properly rated. What I mean, what do you think? Uh, I have a very, fairly strong opinion on this, but I don't always have. Uh, to me, it's overrated and wow. unpopular opinion alert. I think some of the things you mentioned are the big reasons why. I think the, the, the big one for me is I just I like Toy Story Midway Mania so much better. I just love the feel to that ride more. So may, maybe maybe I'm in the minority on that, but that. That's a big one for me. I just feel like the the lasers, you know, shooting on their targets. I just it, it seems a little more inconsistent to me than the than the like you said the 3D thing that happens with Toy Story Midway Mania. So I don't know. And I think the the lines are the other thing. I think if it was always 15 minutes or less, then the buy-in is not 
too significant. I'm fine with it. But it, you know, on busier days, those those lines can really build up, and I, I just don't know that it's worth the wait. Like Toy Story Midway Mania is worth the wait. So yeah, that's that, that's how I feel. I'm, I'm sorry to say, um, but that's good. We need some disagreement here, so we'll we'll have to see what the listeners think. So I have a follow up question for you then. Okay. Do you win? When you ride Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin, or are you just bitter because you lose? Yeah, I thought you might say something. I think I think I'm average. You know, I'm usually sitting next to a, a, a child that's six years old or less, so um, I'm typically winning. But I, I think you would probably take me down if, if we were going head to head. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe that is frustration. But I, don't you think that's kind of the unique things about Toy Story Midway Mania? Is even if you're not the high score, I just feel like everybody comes off of that ride having a good time. So maybe Buzz Lightyear is the same way, but I, I just don't love it. And I mean, youth is the whole idea of like Zorg and is that his name? And Buzz? Is that <laughs> Zerg. Ex, ex, Zerg. <laughs> does that, does that excite you? I mean, he, I, I know he was like big in, you know, the, I guess the second Toy Story movie, but I just, I'm not like thrilled to go into Zerg's world like I am other worlds. Yeah. That's just how I feel. It's an emotional response, I guess. I know that's fair. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion here on Master of the Mouse podcast, so I, I appreciate it. Yeah. So it's good for yeah, us definitely. to disagree. Right, absolutely. I, sorry, I can't leave this topic. I have another question for you. So are you aware of like yeah. all the hidden places that you can shoot to like really amp up your score? Maybe Yeah, yeah. Maybe I should do like read that right before I go in or something, but is that is that are you big on that? Like you're gonna score nine 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 or whatever the top score is every time? I mean, I try. You never know because if the ride gets shut down in one room and you're sitting there and you have, you know, unlimited time to to shoot a target. But there are like certain hidden tricks and and different targets that you can shoot at on on both those attractions on Buzz Lightyear and on Toy Story Midway Mania. That if if you're keen or hip to the the insider knowledge or insider track there, that you can really bolster that score and 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 show off a little bit too. So and flex the muscles yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I've heard of that, and my, I guess my final two thoughts. One is hopefully people enjoy that without knowing the, the tricks. You know, that maybe that's just our competitive nature coming out. Hopefully everybody can have a good time. And then now that you say that, the last time I wrote it, it definitely shut down. It kind of loses its cool factor pretty quickly um, and, instead of moving through it with targets, you know, bouncing around. So uh, maybe that's part of, you know, the bitter taste in my mouth. Yeah, that's that's fair. The, the, I, we can't get past this topic because the last two things I'll say, I always leave Buzz Lightyear with my thumb being really sore from, from yeah. pushing that button so many times. And I always leave Toy Story Mania with my shoulder on fire because I'm pulling that trigger or that rope on the end of the cannon so hard. Uh-huh. So either yeah, way, yeah, I'm leaving with sore muscles. Rope. Yeah, I love pulling that rope. Maybe I should. I'm coming back at you one more time. So on Buzz Lightyear, do you hold the button down or do you just tap, tap, tap? I tap, tap, tap. Okay. I feel, I'm sure there's a blog out there explaining which one's more efficient, but it sounds like that, that helps you go faster. Maybe there's probably a lot of things I'm doing wrong on that ride that I should fix before the next trip. And before you properly rate it. Yeah, and put that out on the airwaves for everybody to know how I feel. So, um, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe next time I'll think harder about that. All right, enough of this. We got to move on. Do yeah, we have move a, on. <laughs> I do have. I do want to tease uh, an upcoming episode. If you'll remember, in last week's episode, I talked about an um, awesome cruise that I went on with Becca, who's a cast member down at the Polynesian. Was yeah. fortunate enough, she actually li- was listening to the episode and, and gave us a shout-out on her Instagram page. And I reached out to her and was like, hey, thanks for the shout-out. I really appreciate it. And then I was bold and just said, hey, would you ever be interested in coming on the podcast with us? 
and just talking about being cast member or what your favorite things are about Disney or what tips that you want to share. And she was like, absolutely. So I'm really pumped that we're putting together an episode with, with Becca and she's going to join us in a, in a episode, upcoming episode. So I'm super pumped about that. It's going to be an awesome episode. So more to come on that, but wanted to tease it for everyone that's listening out there to, to keep an eye on it. Cause it's, it's, I can already tell you, it's going to be one of my favorite episodes. All right, let's get into today's topics. We're going to talk through, you know, last week we talked through my trip or certain aspects of my trip that we just got back from a couple weeks ago. And we're going to not, not, not necessarily talk about that trip per se, but talk about a few things to expect when you guys are arriving at Disney World or using the Magical Express and just some kind of tips about how that arrival process works and things to be on the lookout for. So, Griffin, have you used Magical Express when you guys go down? I have. Yeah, we did it. We did it last time, and it it, it was fine. Anything about Magical Express? That's, that's all I have to say. <laughs> it was fine. It, anything about yeah. it that you really enjoyed or wish you could change or things that maybe you didn't like about it? So the things, I would say the cons to me are you lose a little bit of control as far as how, you know, especially if you're trying to get to, like we were trying to get to the resort for a lunch ADR. And, you know, you you can predict that somewhat, but you can't predict it down to the minute, you know, when your bus is going to arrive. So I think that, that part I don't love. But on the flip side, especially if you got a big family and you're going to need, you know, if you're riding in a car, you're going to need car seats. I mean, there's really, there's really no better way to get your family and all your luggage from the from the airport to Walt Disney World in, in my opinion I think because if you look at the other options you know an Uber I've tried this with my family we you know eat a family of four with a couple of big suitcases you're going to be in trouble trying to get in an Uber or a Lyft um, and I think the new mini minivans ran by Lyft you know now go from the airport to Disney World but that's going to cost you I think it's going to be well over 100 bucks now I forget what the flat rate is so um, I think those two fall way down the list. So at that point, you're basically talking about Magical Express or, or renting a car. I and mean, I think by the time you stand in line and rent your car or your van, you might as well just jump on the Magic Express. So that, I, I, I'm a supporter of it. I, how do you feel? I do enjoy it. There's a couple of things about it that I really like, and there are a couple of things about it that I don't really care for. So I'll start with the things that I, I really like. First of all, is if you're flying to MCO, the Orlando International Airport, the cool thing about taking that Magical Express from the airport is that you don't have to touch your bag. So as we've alluded to before, Griffin and I would, would be flying out of Nashville International Airport. And so when we check our bags in the Nashville International Airport, we're not going to see our bags again or have to touch our bags until they're in our room at our resort. That's super convenient. You don't have to go to the, to the luggage carousel. You don't have to, you know, lug your luggage to the airport with your kids in tow as well. It really frees you up to kind of be able to get off the plane and head on straight down to the Magical Express and not have to worry about any type of luggage unless it's the ones that you've carried on the plane with you. So I really like that aspect of it. The other thing that I that I really enjoy about it is it's free. <laughs> this I mean this yeah, whole this yeah. whole this whole podcast is based on trying to do Disney the most affordable way possible. And the other alternatives that you mentioned, whether it's taking a lift or one of the minivans or 
even renting a car, that's all additional costs that you're going to have to incur on your trip. Magical Express is included. It's something that if you've booked a Disney vacation with either a travel agent or you're staying on DVC points or you book directly with Disney, your your transfer from the airport to your resort is complimentary. And so that's right. You can't beat free, in my opinion. So that's that's the other thing that I really like. And the last thing that I like is just the onboard entertainment. When you get on the Magical Express and you see those TV monitors come on and they start telling you about all the things that you can do at Walt Disney World and they start showing you little Mickey cartoon shorts. It For me, it's one of those times where I'm sitting on the bus and I take a deep breath and I'm like, oh, I'm on vacation now. Like I can finally feel on vacation. And so that's the other right. thing that I really enjoy about it. So Magical Express, I, 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 I do really enjoy. Now, you've alluded to some of the things that I don't care for either. And that is sometimes you got to wait. So right. the Magical Express terminal, for those of you aren't, that aren't familiar with, when you fly into the, the Orlando airport, I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like the Magical Express transfer is, is about as far away from the terminals as it could possibly be. So you have to walk oh, a long yeah, way. To, yeah, you have to. I feel like you you're getting in your steps for sure when you're walking to the buses, and then once you get there, they kind of put you in a line based on what resort you're going to. And you could wait, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes for a bus to arrive, and then once you're on that bus, you do have the possibility of stopping at multiple resorts. And so, for instance, right. for instance, I know that you know when you are staying at the Polynesian and Grand Floridian as well as the Wilderness Lodge and Contemporary, those buses are combined. So they take folks from each one of those resorts to those, from the airport to those resorts. So if you're staying at the Grand Floridian, for instance, you may be the last stop on a stop to the Polynesian first and then the Grand, so you're having to wait a little bit longer on the bus too. And that can be a real bummer. On my trip that we just took, it couldn't have been more perfect. Sometimes you just get lucky. As soon as we walked down to Magical Express, our bus was already there. We walked right onto it. We were some of the last ones on the bus, so the bus kind of took off as soon as we got on there. And then our resort was the first stop. So it all kind of worked out. So we were there from airport to our resort hotel in like an hour tops. And it couldn't have been more efficient. So there are times when the Magical Express sometimes maybe might even be faster than taking a Lyft or an Uber or renting a car. But... For the most part, you're probably not going to save a whole lot of time taking the Magical Express, but right. you are going to save a ton of money for sure because it's free. Yep, yep, I agree. And then even just while you were saying all that, I was kind of thinking through some other advantages. And, you know, parking is no longer free. You know, it used to be. But now if you rent a car, unless you're going to get pretty, you know, evasive and, and how to get in, you're going to expect to pay for parking nightly at your hotel. So that's another, like you said, that's another cost you're going to incur. And then the other thing I thought about is we've talked a little bit about the Swan and Dauphin as being a cheap, you know, hotel resort that's very close to parks, but not Disney. So you don't get Magical Express to those. So like we're, that's, we're staying at the Dauphin coming up, you know, we're paying the price there by having to, you know, rent a car because you're not really eligible for Magical Express. So um, like you said, if you're planning a trip for budget, in your own property, I think this is a no-brainer. Yeah, no kidding. So let's talk about the other way you can arrive, and that is by driving yourself. So not everybody flies yeah. to Walt Disney World, and, and we totally understand that. So the other thing to expect when you are driving into property is, and you just alluded to it, Griffin, is 
you have to pay for parking now, which was a huge ordeal uh, several months ago when Disney kind of released that change in their policy where if you were staying at a resort, parking was free. Now parking isn't free. And so when you arrive in your car, you're going to pull in to the kind of the gate attendant will ask you, you know, why you're there. You'll tell them that you are checking in and they'll take your license plate number and look at your photo ID and then you'll pay per night. It, it may be, you know, more convenient to drive. Let's say you're, you know, in the Southeast or you're close enough to Orlando where, you know, a couple hours drive isn't that big of a deal, but you're foregoing that, that, that free transfer from the airport and you're going to have to pay for parking each night that you're there. So just keep that in mind too, as, as you're thinking about arrival and how you're going to get to Disney World. So the other right. thing about, you know, kind of getting your vacation off on the on the right foot is what that whole arrival process looks like, because you can end up, you know, kind of starting your vacation on a sour note if you're not prepared. And what we what I mean by that is check in at resort time isn't until 4 p.m. So, mm-hmm. for instance, on our, our last trip that we just took, our flight left Nashville at 630 in the morning. And we got, we were in Orlando by, I don't know, we were at our resort at 1030, 11 o'clock maybe. So we were there yeah. pretty quickly. And if our room wasn't ready until four and we got there at 1130, you know, we've got several hours that we've got to kill. And if you're not prepared to kill those, those several hours, especially if you've got small children, it can put you in a bind and it can, you can really start your vacation off on the wrong foot if you've got cranky kids or if it's super hot outside and, and you know you don't want to be stuck in the lobby all afternoon. So that's something to be prepared for too. Griffin, when you guys stayed, you guys stayed at the Contemporary last time you went, right? Most recently, yes. So what did you have any discrepancies or, or time frame that you guys had to kill when you were checking into the Contemporary? Uh, we did, yeah. We basically had what you're describing there, which is kind of that early flight out, you know, getting to the hotel by, you know, I think 10 or 11. So yeah, we did do that. I'll tell you how we kind of dealt with that is we went to Chef Mickey's and that ate up, you know, a couple hours by the time you did that. And then I think we were fairly fortunate that we were able to get into our rooms um, a little bit sooner, but I'm a big proponent of, and obviously everybody's trip is going to be different, but I'm a big proponent of character breakfasts or character meals at the resorts on your first day. And a couple of reasons why. One is I think they're just a great way to kind of lead into the trip. You know, you haven't ridden a ride yet. You haven't ridden, you haven't seen a whole lot of characters yet. So to walk right into Chef Mickey's or Hana Breakfast or somewhere where you're going to see characters. And again, I'm speaking from the perspective of a dad with kids. That that just seems to go really well as opposed to you've had six days in the park. You've seen every, you've seen Mickey a million times. And now you're going to go to Chef Mickey's on your last day. It's still going to be fine, and and you'll probably enjoy it. But I, to me, I feel like the, a character meal is a great way to start off and and kind of kill that chunk of time that you're talking about. So that that's what we did, and it worked out just fine. Yeah, that's a great idea. In fact, I haven't really done that in previous trips, but. You're right. That's a fantastic way because all of a sudden your kids are going to be super excited to be there and they're going to get to see people that they've been literally probably dreaming about for for a long time if they've known of that they were going to Disney World. If you're keeping a secret, it'll be awesome too because the first thing that they'll do when they get down there is they'll get to see the characters that they've been wanting to see for a long time. You know, when we went, yeah. we we had the morning flight and what we chose to do is two things the first thing we did is is so we were staying at old key west but you could really do this with any resort 
because of the bus transportation that's available. We, as soon as we got there, you know, we went to the front desk and we didn't have to check in. We checked in online, but we just wanted to make sure that all of our magic bands were squared away and working. We wanted to make sure that everybody had access to the things that they needed to because we had a, a rather large group with us. And after we did that, we headed on down to Disney Springs and we just spent the afternoon in Disney Springs. We had lunch down there. We went, did some shopping and we were able to kind of do the Disney Springs thing the very first uh -huh. part of our vacation. So it wasn't like we were tired and didn't want to walk around to all the shops. It was, you know, we were new, we were energized, we were, you know, fresh into our trip. So we just took advantage of being down there in Disney Springs. And then we came back and by the time we came back, it was, you know, late afternoon. Our room still wasn't quite ready yet, but we were prepared to also, in our carry-on bags that we had in the airport, we packed all of our swimsuits. And so we yeah. were prepared to go to the pool. About the time that we were about to get ready to go down to the pool, our room, we actually got the notification that our room was ready. So we were able to kind of go into our room and get settled instead of going swimming. But that's the other tip that I would recommend to people is that if you're going down, as soon as you check in, you're eligible to use all the amenities of your resort. And so your room doesn't have to be ready to go down to the pool or go, like you said, to one of the restaurants. Or even if you're on the dining plan to go get your resort mug and walk around the resort, your resort and fill up your, you know, drink mug with soda or coffee or, you know, hot chocolate or whatever you want to drink. So there are some yeah. things that you can take advantage of that you can kill some time and do. So, you know, like Griffin said, you can check out, you know, a character dining, you can go down to Disney Springs, you can hit the pool, you can go to other resorts too. I mean, that's an option as well. If you're staying at, you know, one of the all-star resorts and your room's not ready and you want to go head over to the Wilderness Lodge and just check it out and relax, do that too. You have free reign to do anything that you need to, to make sure that you're killing enough time until your room's ready. Yeah. And are you, I think we're, we're both kind of implying this, are you a proponent of, in general, the first day, your, you know, quote-unquote arrival or travel date not going in the parks? I mean, I'm sure there are some people out there that they, they take an Uber straight from the airport to Magic Kingdom or wherever they're going, and they just hit it hard. I tend to be more of, like, kind of what we're describing. It's kind of ease yourself into the, make sure you get all your bags in, get your family fed and kind of reset to go big the next day. But wh where do you fall on that? Yeah, I fall on that too. I guess the thing that I would caveat there is if you go to Disney a lot or you're an annual pass holder, or maybe there's like a special ticketed event that evening that you have tickets to, you know, I could see at that instance going down and going straight to the park or maybe you're short on time maybe it's just a long weekend trip and so you know you're flying down on a friday morning and you only have friday saturday sunday to be in the parks and so you know friday you just you book it right to one of the parks hey, we're you and i both are rope drop guys you know that's you get a lot of bang for your buck in the morning and so if, you, if you're taking an early morning flight and you're going to miss rope drop to me you've mo you've missed you know one of the most crucial parts of the day as far as getting as many attractions in as you can so i i don't know not my cup of tea especially with young kids that we have now it's easier it's much easier to kind of ease yourself into your vacation by you know if you if you've gotten up early to catch that morning flight you can get into your rhythm of your vacation and enjoy a nice meal enjoy you know, swimming or enjoy the resort itself or just do something that's not as intense as, you know, waking up and, and booking it all day until the late evening hours. Right, right. And let, let me tell you, I don't know if I ever even told you this, let me tell you what happened to us on our last arrival day because, you know, we had all these plans of it going perfectly. But the, the first problem we had was uh, we were super 
stuck in security at the airport. And so we barely made it onto our plane. So we were flying early in the morning. Like we actually had the, the lady saw us coming with our stroller and actually went to the back of the plane and saved the last two rows of the plane so we could sit with our kids. We gave our kids, they had like canned water that we got because they were all like losing their minds because they had been stuck in security lines for an hour. So all that to say, we got there. And one thing to keep in mind, you know, if you're not going to get a meal on your plane, it does take you a while to get to your resort. So we were all super hungry. They were like snacking in the airport. So the other plan that I had was, you know, I'm a big proponent of the midday rest anyways, is we were going to do Chef Mickey's, do naps was the idea, or, you know, just rest to go into the park when it was less crowded at night. And to try to get your kids to take a nap on day one in Disney World when they hadn't been in a while is a fool's errand because that was the least productive you know nap time we've ever tried. And we gave up, I think, eventually and just went ahead and headed into the park. So as much as I'd love to say that that went well, it did not. So let me ask you a question, just parent to parent. How long into the failed nap attempt did you decide that you're just going to give up? I think we probably gave it a good 20 minutes, but I mean, we, we pulled the trigger pretty quick because, you know, you're trying to pace yourself. You got, I think we had five days in the park and, you know, it's like, well, I don't want them. I want them to have rest. I want them to make it to fireworks tonight. You know, I had so many reasons why they needed to take naps, but their brains were saying like, wait, you're telling me I can walk 10 minutes and be in Magic Kingdom? Like, what are you, what are you thinking, Dad? So, I can literally um, see hey. Space Mountain from here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think you know, we've said this before, but be as much as I love to plan, you, you got to be flexible, especially if you got a bigger group and you got multiple age groups, you, you just got to be able to change it on the fly. So that's what we did. Um, but yeah, I think there's, like you said, there's a ton of different ways to go on a arrival day. And a lot of it depends on kind of what the pace of your trip's going to be. But um, yeah, I love the idea of Disney Springs or other resorts, you know, other things that once you get going into parks, you may not take the time to do, but you can do it the first day. Yeah, absolutely. You're not burned out. And I, the more we sit here and talk about it, the more I, I do think that resort hopping is a great idea because you may not get the opportunity to visit other resorts very frequently during your vacation. And so you may become really familiar with your resort, but there are awesome resorts around Disney property that are worth just going to and hanging out at animal kingdom lodge comes to mind the wilderness lodge comes to mind kind of that whole crescent lake area with boardwalk and beach club and yacht club that all comes to mind those are just fun places in general to be at and so if you mm -hmm. can if you've got several hours to burn and especially if you're on, hey if you're on the dining plan and you got snack credits to burn Going to Boardwalk and going to someplace like Ample Hills or the Boardwalk Bakery or something like that, that's fun to do too. And you're really taking yeah. advantage of kind of your surroundings and what's available to you there. You don't have to be confined to your resort lobby waiting for your room to be assigned to you. So so anyway, we, we wanted to talk through kind of arrival day for a little bit and, and make sure that all you guys were prepared and aware of what that process looks like. The other thing in which we've kind of started already kind of transitioning into is we wanted to talk today through rest days and how how just pivotal they are just to general <laughs> enjoyment for your Disney trip. Right. Not for kids all the time, but for the adults in the party as well. Even if you don't have any kids in your group at all, they uh, those rest days are some of some of my favorite personally. You know, I love going to the parks, don't get me wrong. And if I had my drathers, I'd, I'd be in the parks all day, every day. But 
having those rest days to go, you know, sit by the pool, enjoy that, kind of talking through some of the things that we just talked through on arrival day. That's a lot of fun too. So Griffin, it, when it comes to rest days for your trips that you're planning, are, are you planning a rest day? And if, if so, how many, if not, why aren't you planning a rest day? <laughs> um, cash money, man. So uh, to me, this is, the cons to this is, is I think this is probably what we've done before and what other people will look at is you'll sit down to budget this and you'll say, okay, to do a full rest day, you basically are saying you want to spend another night. So another night at the Contemporary or the Polynesian, which hopefully if people are taking our advice, they're getting good deals, but that's, that's significant dollars. And then I think the other thing that people do is they look down and they say, okay, I've got, I'm paying for a five day park hopper, you know, five days in the park. I could to add on that six day is very little money. You know what I'm talking about? The way Disney, you know, a one day ticket is very expensive. A two day ticket, the, the once you add on those extra days at the back end, you go from eight to nine or nine to ten. They Disney really doesn't penalize you that much or even charge you that much for those tickets. So I think people, the reason this doesn't happen a lot is people don't want to spend another night in the hotel from a cash perspective, and they see, well, I've got a seven-day park hopper why am i here at the hotel and not in the park um so th those are the, the cons but to me i think just like you said i think all the stuff you can do on the arrival day you can and should do on a rest day and it will enhance your whole trip so this is something i aspire to do more but um right now we're more of the uh weekend warriors when we go where we're hitting every park and going nonstop and you know we you know we have no rest and we, we're exhausted when we come home but we love it so that, that's how we tend to do it but the, the rest day appeals to me yeah it's um when whenever you come back from vacation and you feel like you need a vacation you did you didn't do the rest yeah. days right <laughs> right right yeah and, and we've talked about this i tend to do more of like rest afternoon so even if i don't have time to you know to do a whole nother day down in orlando we may you know, pace ourselves more on the days we're in the park. So um, th that that is kind of how I think we get around the idea of not doing a rest day. But uh, I'm with you. I, I want to do a rest day. Can you talk to my wife for me? Yeah. No, just you, you have my cell phone number. Just tell her to give me a call. Okay. I'll get her to – well, maybe she'll listen to this podcast. Hey, here's hoping. I yeah. – <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a big fan of rest days. In fact, I book at least one on each trip that we go on. And, and quite frankly, I try to sandwich it between a couple of park days. So we, we will never, as a family, it's kind of one of our, I don't, I, if I'm going to be bold enough to say that it's our, one of our family rules, is that we don't, we don't do more than two days in the park at a time. And so... Okay. What, what we've realized as a family is those rest days are really pivotal for even my wife and I to recharge our batteries, but for our kids to kind of recharge their batteries too. They don't have to, we don't have to wake them up in the morning to get prepared to go to rope drop. We're not up real late staying for fireworks or trying to squeeze another ride in and not getting back to the room until 10 or 11 o'clock and they're asleep in the stroller. It's just one of those times where everybody can just chill sleep in, you know, go relax by the pool, get to bed at a reasonable hour and really get, you know, recharged for the last part part of your trip. And so in fact, when we just went down this last time, we were there for six nights and we kind of had one full rest day and then kind of a half rest day as well. We ended up doing the Mickey's not so scary Halloween party one night, but we didn't we didn't actually go to the park until about 
five thirty, six o'clock that evening. And so we spent the whole morning at the pool, kind of relaxing in the room, just getting prepared to, to be up real late. And so, you know, we went to the park and were there until 12 in the morning and, and, you know, didn't get back to the hotel until 12.30, 12.45. Then that whole next day was a rest day where we didn't do anything. We slept in, we stayed at the resort, we went swimming again, we had a nice meal together as a family, and then everybody was in bed at a reasonable hour. And I'll tell you what, that really made the trip to be able to kind of recharge those batteries and gear up for the second half of, of our park touring days. So I'm a big fan of rest days and, and just enjoying the resorts. Disney invests a lot of money in their resorts and they continue to do, you know, I don't know if you've heard Griffin, but they announced just this past week that they're announcing a new resort kind of over by wilderness and in, in wilderness lodge and Fort wilderness resort so yeah, there's gonna yeah, be I didn't hear about that there's gonna be a whole new resort over there and, and disney so disney does these resorts really well even the value resorts there's there's cool things at the value resorts they've got you know at the all-star sports they've got that huge football field with x's and o's and we've stayed there before and you know my brother and i would you know th- run football plays between the x's and o's and try to kick field goals and so there's fun things to do at the value resorts. There's fun things to do at the moderate resorts at Caribbean beach. You can, you know, you know, rent bikes and go bike riding, or you could go to the pool. They've got a, a huge castle pool with a slide or you could, you know, hang out on the beaches with the hammocks. And then at the, at the deluxe resorts, you I mean, you can rent boats to go ride in. You can do a plethora of, of things that, that are just, you know, fun and relaxing and, you can just enjoy yourself a lot more just by taking advantage of, of what's around you. So having those rest days is really yeah. pivotal in, uh, in our, you know, kind of vacation method. So have yeah. you done uh, those other things at the resorts Griffin that are available, like renting boats or bikes or anything like that? We, we haven't, we just, if we're on the monorail loop, my kids just want to ride the monorail all day, basically on our non park days at least. So, uh, we do a lot of resort hopping to try different restaurants. That's kind of what has been my default, but have have not done as much of like the renting stuff. And then another thing I'm thinking about when you when you were talking about rest days is kind of appealing to me now is thinking of ways to take that rest day and actually parlay that into more efficient part time. So I think just the way you describe it is the way to do it. So if you've got a rest day in the middle of the, the middle of the trip, you know, the day before that, you should be shutting the park down. You should be in whichever park is open late and you should be there getting, you know, on rides or doing fireworks or whatever late when the crowds are starting to thin out because you're not going to have to wake up the next morning. And then vice versa, I think you rest up on your rest day. The next morning should be a no-brainer rope drop day because you're refreshed. So I think if you had those two sandwiched together, a late night and an early morning, you would your family would hate you, but you throw a rest day in there, and it actually you know enhances you know, your your touring inside the park. So I think I think I'm sold now. I just gotta enact it. There you go. See, we're we're changing lives just one episode at a time. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Before long, everybody that goes to Disney World is going to be taking rest days, and folks like. Becca, who work in the recreation department, are going to have more to do. So, you know, everybody's winning in this in this episode, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And we, I, that's obviously, the more you can, I think the temptation I see a lot is people that go more tend to be more apt to do the stuff you're talking about. And people that don't go tend to be in the parks a lot. But I think that's a mistake. And for all the reasons you just described, like I think about 
trips that I've planned for people that I regret, you know, that have not earned going once every 10 years and they're like, we want to see everything and we've got four days. And so, you know, with enough touring strategy and fast pass chicanery, you can get them to everything. But I think, I think, you know, the look on their faces is like, that was exhausting. Why did you do that to me? So I have some regrets about planning trips that were just too busy and too park heavy and kind of neglecting all the, all the stuff you're talking about at the resorts. Yeah. You know, I think the last thing that I'll just say on this topic before we, we wrap it up is that a lot of times it's a good intro to Disney vacationing too, is that a lot of times these people that, that try to cram everything in and do as much as they can in as little amount of time as they can, because they're working on such a tight budget, they, they try to do all that. And then they come back home and they're like, man, that was a disaster. It was hot. It was crowded. My kids cried. I spent way too much money and I didn't have a good time. I'm never going back, but (laughs) right. Yeah. That's not what we want. Right. And if, if, if you structure it a little bit different, your experience can totally change. So even if, if you haven't made plans to go very often or you only think you're going to go once in a blue moon, let's say you do go down for a long weekend. And instead of trying to hit four parks in four days, maybe you hit two parks. And maybe you pick the two parks that have the most for you and your family. And you spend one of those days or two of those days just enjoying your resort or enjoying the Disney property in general, my guess is that when you're done with that trip, you'll say, hey, that was super enjoyable. We should start budgeting money so we can go back because all of us had a great time. And then as you do that more and more, then you start to realize all the things that you can do on Disney property. And in fact, there are some people, myself, who can go on a Disney vacation and not even go to the parks and be okay with that. That you can really yeah. have. I'm not. I'm not there yet. But I, not there I, yet. I, 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 I want to get there. <laughs> no, that's that's and that's totally fine. It's it. You know, there's always the draw to go, but I'm, right. I'm satisfied at times not going, and especially when you do things like, like we did, and we took that cruise, the fireworks cruise. You know, that satisfied that desire to be in the park because I was experiencing some, experiencing something that I normally would experience in the park but doing it in a whole different right. way and enjoying kind of the surroundings and the ambiance and the things that the Disney resort has to offer. So I think, you know, I think if you kind of think about those rest days and even, even being budget conscious about it and maybe not budgeting for that four day ticket and doing that, you know, two day ticket, maybe, maybe there's some things that, that you can do and take advantage of and in, in both incorporate rest days and it be budget friendly too, to where you're having a great time and saving a little bit of money. So that's what I got on that topic. Is there anything else on the rest days or the arrival process or anything that Griffin that we feels like we should circle back with and talk to? No, I don't think so. No, just to piggyback on your kind of final thoughts there. I think, you know, with Star Wars coming and Toy Story Land already open, I think we're we're probably rapidly approaching the point where Disney World's gonna it, at some point there's gonna be so much that doing everything is gonna require more days. So I think we like just like you just described. I think. The, the attitude should probably change from I don't need to do every single ride to building a trip that everyone will enjoy and then just go back and do what you didn't do the next time. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to hurt yourself if you, if you try to do everything, especially with kids. I, I mean, that's obviously the perspective we're coming from, but kids can only, you know, a lot of times only handle so much. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's all I got. That was fun. I think hopefully that was helpful information. Good for me. I'm rest day. I'm all about it now. Hey, like I said, we're changing lives. Your kids will thank you. Your wife will thank you. And then you can thank me. 
Yeah, absolutely. Happy to do so. <laughs> All right, man. That was fun. <laughs> All right. Well, on behalf of Master of the Mouse Podcast and Griffin, I'm Aaron, and we'll see you real soon. See you guys.